Ladies and gentlemen, this is the BU Hockey Show. Thanks for one-timer. Down low for Cockrell. In front, Curry scores! BU moving it well, and a shot and a goal! Mueller deeks, saved by Schroeder! Got an opportunity for a shot, and she scores! Welcome to episode 18 of the BU Hockey Show, where we don't have breakout rooms. Fear not. <laughs> As always, I'm Patrick Donnelly. With me is Brady Gardner. How are you, today, Brady? We're doing pretty well. Uh, we realized that we could make breakout rooms in a Zoom call of two people. But thankfully, we didn't do that because that would really make for a weird podcast. So here we are, the two of us talking BU hockey. We kind of just encapsulate the echo chambers of, of society today. But we're not going to get into a philosophical conversation wow. on the hockey show today. Um, we're not going to do that. We're not oh going to. That's way too deep for the BU hockey show. Um, but we got a lot to get into. Women's hockey ended their season this weekend. Men's hockey kind of opened some wounds that I had from last year. Mm. Um, that I guess we're still kind of fresh, but, you know, reopened some wounds and we got some, some big happy breakdown again, as always. Um, and a lot to look forward to in the coming week. So let's get into it. Yeah. Let's start with the women's team. Rip the bandaid. That is a, you know, we saw it coming, didn't we? That's yeah. Okay. I want, I wanted to convince myself, you know, BU has experience. They have Jesse Comfer, they have Kareen Schroeder and uh, we'll get to that. Um, but they lost four to three. To the Providence College Friars, the ninth-ranked Providence College Friars coming out of this weekend. They were 10th going into the weekend um, in the hockey's quarterfinals. So BU season is over um, in the single elimination quarterfinal format for this year. Um, and the game really was not that close by the 4-3 to three final. Mm-hmm. That, that felt closer than it was for sure. Uh, there was, you know, no shortage of drama. We thought it would be a good game, and it was. Uh, we had two goals that really, you know, was the turning point where, you know, BU gets in the back of uh, Sandra Abstreeter's net. You know, the puck was never locked up by the goaltender. It was a good goal, but the referee blew his whistle while the puck was not across the line. And so plays stopped right then there, which I think is a silly rule, right? Yeah. Nothing I, changed between when he blew the whistle and when he didn't, but it's just no goal because that's the rule which is unfortunate, certainly hurt BU because literally the same thing happened later in the period. They didn't blow the whistle and that was the Providence goal. And from there, you know, they go to four, one up. And, and that was kind of that, even though BU made a comeback bit at the end, you just kind of knew that the game was over in that second period. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I think that rule's really stupid too. I don't know the exact rule, which we should. Um, but again, who reads the entire rule, rule book? Hmm. Um, but I feel, like, I feel like I've seen that before. We've seen it a ton in the NHL where, like, sometimes it gets ruled a goal, sometimes it doesn't. Maybe what if – I don't – again, we don't know what the exact rule is, but it feels like we've seen it go the other way before. But technically the whistle did go, and so obviously no goal. And then you feel like maybe it was the referee being a little hesitant with the whistles um, on the next goal, and they, they obviously leave it, and goal stands as it should. Um, but it's just a wonky situation. And I guess you look at positives – from this game, looking ahead to next year, as few as there may be, um, Julia Shaughnessy, who feel like I put or feel like put an exclamation point on a pretty impressive season for her, six foot one defender. And I remember at the beginning of the year when we went through our roster previews, we didn't really expect a whole lot from her. And then watching the games, she's all of a sudden second power play quarterback, and you know she has pretty good mobility for her size. And so that was pleasantly surprising. She has a pretty good shot, can get it through on that. And she put all both of those on display, scores her first two collegiate goals, some nice goals. First one walks in, the second one walks the blue line, scores some with some wrist shots. And other than that, I guess it's it's Kate Stewart's performance in the third period. Um, again, she'll be back next year unless we don't know Ooh. what Kareen Schroeder is doing. Ooh. 
Well, yeah, this is a lot of hearsay we can get into definitely um, later later in the coming months. Um, but Kareen Schroeder, we know, has that extra year of eligibility. Kate Stewart's kind of been waiting her turn. It was assumed she's going to be it was going to be her team senior year, but now Schroeder has the extra year. But we'll get into that obviously when we know more later. Um, and, right. Yeah. Just not a not great. Not great. It was a tough way to end the season for sure. You know, they, they were close and they made the little comeback in the third period, but it wasn't enough for me though. You know, we, we said at the start of the season that this was, you know, the second best team in hockey East and there's Northeastern, there's a gap and then there's BU and then there's a gap and then there's everyone else. And that just did not end up being the case. And I almost feel like we knew that as soon as we saw those first couple games of the season where they're tripping up against the likes of UNH and UConn and just not showing a ton of what has made them successful over the last few years. And so from there, it was like, can we find life? You know, can we get some help for Comfort Schroeder, whoever else? And it just never came. You know, it was almost like watching them try to get jump started throughout the year, trying to see them become their former selves. And it just never happened. To me, it felt like those games weren't as impactful at the time as they ended up being. Hmm. Um, Cause you're sitting there on December 11th, they get blown out by UConn and you're saying, okay, you know, they're going to have a couple more games during break. They're going to come back in the second semester. They're going to have a full schedule. Next thing you know, they don't play until January 22nd. And then they have another pause a couple weeks later. And then, so you have this choppy just go and are we on, are we not season? Um, and you don't have Julia Neris, who I don't think we talked about her absence enough. She had three points in three games, two goals and assists. And she, she still had like the third highest, fourth highest goal total on the team with only two goals, the sixth highest point total on the team with third, with three points. So I don't know if any of us saw anyone outside of Jesse Comfer and like Courtney Correa and I guess McKenna Parker at times having this disappointing of a season. Right. And it just everything went wrong offensively and you got the, you know, expected growing pains and you're like, they should outscore their problems. They didn't. And whether you want to point to players like Nara Ely and Christina Schuler, who should have provided more this year or the freshmen who we thought we were going to jump in, whether it's a full Lacey Martin, and they showed it in, in a couple games, but no one, no one outside of Jesse Comfer did it consistently on the year. And you didn't have Jesse Comfer for four games. Mm-hmm. There just seemed to be a lack of stability and of all the years to have that, this was not the one to have it. You know, like, you know, last year they have such a great core of seniors and they, you know, push them on to almost a bean pot, you know, promising throughout the regular season. And obviously it fell apart in the postseason, but you had that core this year, you were kind of trying to figure out what the core was and you were trying to introduce in, especially the freshman defenders, but also freshman forwards that were going to add some depth scoring. But because you kept having to start and stop and, you know, playing against these teams and then stopping for weeks and then playing against those teams and, trying to figure it all out along the way. I feel like they never had a real chance to kind of come together and figure out their identity. You know, even the last game, Madison Kardashian's coming back for the first time since December in the playoffs, like a player that they rely on just was not available for three fourths of the season because that's how this year was, you know, they had a lot of bad breaks throughout the year, COVID and not. And it all kind of culminated in that final game where could have been four, four, if not for a goal being blown off. It is what it is. Could have been a completely different game. Cause you forget about that goal that was waved off and all of a sudden that goal counts. It's one, one who knows if Providence makes it two nothing a minute later. Um, so it's just a lot of what ifs and 
the real bone I have to pick with this team, you've heard from me plenty about this, is Kareen Schroeder deserved so much better this season. She was hung out to dry just by she's pretty much done everything for this team, everything she's been asked of as a fresh since a freshman. And she statistically, I think the best goaltender in BU history, you know, best save percentage, best goals against. She has the two best single season save percentage, the first and fourth best single season goals against average, third most shutouts, second most wins, um, third, third or second most saves all time. And so we've seen this, this greatness in front of us for the last four years, three years for you and me being here. Um, and it went all for naught this season. She got no help. She still, BU is outscored six to 16, I believe, when she was in net. And yeah, some of those she'd like to have back, but there were like the game against Vermont, she got shelled. And even the game against Providence, yeah, there are a couple, again, goals she'd like to have back, but game against Vermont was a 4 nothing loss for BU. She still made 25 saves. She still managed to make some pretty spectacular saves against Providence. And then they pull her coming out of the third period, coming into the third period, try and find a spark. I get it. And all of a sudden, BU scores uh, two goals with her out of the net. They got outscored four to one with Schroeder in net and outscored Providence two to nothing with Stewart in net. All season long, BU outscored opponents 18 to seven with Stewart in net. They scored 0.75 goals per game with Schroeder in net and 3.06, over three goals a game with Stewart in net. That is just the difference there is incredible. And I don't know whether it's reflective of the team or the season that the goaltenders had, or just the wackiness of the season as a whole, but that's, that's too big of a difference to just say it's on the goaltender at that point. That's too big of a difference. And you could tell it in, in the way they won with Stewart in that, in the, in the games they lost with, and in the games they won, they, they beat Merrimack six to nothing with Stewart in that, and then only managed to put up two goals, one of which was an empty netter with Schroeder in that the next day. And you can say the goalie doesn't have any correlation or not to how the team plays in front of them, but I think it does. And the math shows and it right there. The math shows it that there is a correlation to how well the team plays in front of them. And it's just, it's pitiful. It's, I, I hate to, you know, strong words, but like, it's, it's embarrassing, especially for your goaltender that has given you so much and just played the best hockey in goal, arguably the best hockey BU has ever seen in between the pipes. And she gets that sort of performance in front of her, that sort of support from her offense, from her supporting cast. Maybe it's, maybe it's everyone in front of her saying, all right, yeah, Kareem will make the saves and we just got to score. But you didn't. Mm. And it cost you. Yeah. All season long, it cost you. And it really bit you when it mattered most. I think it's probably a subconscious thing, if anything, like where you think, you know, oh, we got no, no, yeah, and, yeah, not- you know, she'll give up. You know, she'll have a shutout. She'll give up one or whatever. We just need a couple. But I don't think that, you know, I don't think DeRosier is saying that in the locker room before they take the ice. I'm not saying that you're you're thinking that, like, outright, you know, to yourself mid-play. It's like, ah, it doesn't matter. Kareem's going to make the save. Hmm. Like, it's a subconscious thing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, I I don't know. You got to, it's, it's ingrained or programmed into you to, I guess, that, you know, subconsciously, hey, Kareem's going to make the saves. We just got to do enough. Yeah, it was, it's weird for sure. You know, when the numbers are just that, you know, eye popping, like you can't just put that up to bad luck. Like there's something there. Uh, and, and that's a the goaltender conversation is definitely going to be a big one this offseason. And we should definitely get into that, uh, you know, later on when we talk about kind of looking ahead to next year, probably after the men's season's done too. Uh, we'll see, you know, future programming there here on the BU Hockey Show. Um, but yeah, that was probably the biggest thing. Just the way that, I don't know, I, I don't want to say Schroeder took a step back either. 
because well, it, yeah, it wasn't her. It wasn't totally her. Because she still had two shutouts and her her save percentage was nine eleven. Goals against was like two twenty five. Those are very much average metrics. Yeah. So it's not to and she still played spectacularly. I think going into this game against Providence, she had a nine twenty five and a sub two goals against average. So she was like very much playing up to her standards for the most part. Again, there were some off games, some goals you'd like to have back, but she did her job. She right. did what she was what was asked of her, and the people in front of her didn't do what was asked of them. I mean, that's like the harsh way to say it, but it's the true way to say it. It's kind of what it was. This when, year. The, when the numbers show that, when the numbers are that jarring, it's, it's tough to ignore. Yeah. So downer for the women's team, for sure. As they fall in the quarterfinals for the second year in a row, like you said earlier, one and done this year. Uh, so not the same, you know, sweep against Maine, embarrassment, whatever that was last year. Like you came up against a better team than you in Providence and you lost to them. So you know, nothing wrong with that, but just the way the whole season played out. It's definitely, uh, you know, room to improve for next year. But the men's team is still alive, for sure, Patrick. Men's team is still alive. Want to talk about a... <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, you yeah. split a series with Merrimack. We kind of talked about, or I talked about, how yeah. I think BU is good for the tournament unless something devastating happens. Let's, we'll get and into that boy, later. Boy, Friday was almost devastating if they didn't, if they didn't win on, on, a, on Saturday. And sorry, the sun's just all over. having a heck of a time with these shadows. Um, <laughs> but you you get into Friday's game, and it's a kind of a choppy start to the game. A lot of whistles. Uh, Merrimack's the player go down. I didn't see the play. Declan Carlisle needs help getting off the ice. Just an open ice hit. Yeah, fair hit. Fair hit. Clean hit. He needs a lot of help getting off the ice. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, David Ferrance takes a penalty. They BU makes the kill, but like immediately after, Merrimack gets on the board pretty shot and then bang Merrimack gets another one bang Merrimack gets another one all of a sudden Vinny Duplessis his night is over Drew Comesso's in BU scores twice in a row then bang Merrimack gets another one the game was out of reach so fast we didn't know what to do it was like 10 minutes just buried into our computers me like doing clips it was just mayhem um and so you you kind of get embarrassed at home uh, Merrimack adds another with the empty net. You get embarrassed at home on Friday. Like you had plenty of chances moving forward the rest of the game. But again, it's like the women's game. You go down that big early, you need to be perfect the rest of the way, and you weren't, and so you couldn't make the comeback. Um, and then Saturday, you know, it's a much more complete effort, much more grittier effort. You win four to two. Um, and it's pretty much the types of games that we're used to seeing from this year's team. Um, hard fought, you know, nothing's going to come easy. You're going to score your goals. You're going to have to play your big defense. Goaltender is going to need to make some big saves and it, it paid off again. Right. You know, Merrimack's one of those teams. It's a little like uh, like UVM in a way where, you know, they almost play with a, a reckless like understanding of who they are. Like <laughs> they think they're, you know, BC or whatever, like up and down the ice, you know, flying the wings and all that. But then it's like, no, you're, you're Merrimack or you're UVM. Like, you know, you're, you're just not that good. So maybe credit to them for playing with that mentality. And clearly it worked on Friday where they were able to kind of pin BU back in that first period. And then they sat back and defended the way that, you, you know, those teams that maybe are a little less skilled tend to do. So they kind of had the best of both worlds in that first game, getting on top early and then defending the lead. Second game though, BU played, uh, played into it a little bit better, definitely controlled the play. A um, couple little, you know, moments where, you know, it was a little uncertain, you know, late, I guess, against uh, Merrimack. And, you know, so they, they had a good weekend. They were feeling it for sure. They also had bodies back for that second game because pretty much their entire freshman class was unavailable for the first game. But then they cleared protocol for the second. So they had a lot of new names in the lineup. Um, but just, uh, 
you know, it, it was a, a trap game a little bit. That's what you said. And I would kind of agree, you know, you, you tend to underestimate a team like Merrimack until they kind of punch you in the face, which they definitely did with four goals in the first period. Um, and by the way, the, uh, the Vinnie Duplessis Cinderella story, it's oh, over. it took a hit. Did it ever? It's uh, it's probably over. Um, like ever? Like, no, like did, I'm sure. Was this the I'm, Ashton Abel? Like, you know, the, we will never see him again, kind of thing. I think it was the Vinnie Papura. Ashton Abel is the Vinnie Papura. We're never going to see him again. And and uh, Vinnie Duplessis. I mean, the depth chart showed Vinnie Duplessis is number two. That's true. Um, so if that stands heading into next season, we, it's, again, we won't see the end of Vinnie Duplessis. He'll get a couple games in here and there. Just uh, do. Meso goes down again, what have you. He signs pro, you know, he's there. Mm. Um, but it's just the way Comesso played, it's tough to see him giving the net back. Which is good, um, though. I mean, this, yeah. you know, Duplessis kind of made the decision for them. <laughs> he, he gave up those quick three goals, and that was that. You and know, it was really, goals. really like none of the goals were bad. The first shot was just too good of a shot. It was incredible. Like both of us audibly gasped. Um, at, the, at the shot and then the other two were cross crease one-timers again yeah. video game real life you can't do anything about that um and so yeah no fault of his own he's he's he gets the hook i guess it's true Meso comes in um and yeah like do you want to save on one of those at least sure but it is what it is team played like garbage in front of him he kind of yeah. took he pay he had to pay for it um now Kamesa's back in he looked great i think um still, still a little overconfident coming out to play the puck but hey whatever um it won't until it bites you i guess keep doing it yeah it's um, not like bu goaltenders have ever had a history of uh you know poorly playing the puck in big moments so i think it'll be speaking okay. of opening fresh wounds my god <laughs> <laughs> i mean he is he's a little little lackadaisical with the way he plays the puck sometimes and i really don't want that to bite him i'm very nervous. i don't know if it's lackadaisical i think it's a little over aggressive um, but the way he comes out, you know, like you always see goalies like put the stick and then they put their glove behind it just to make sure he just comes out just wielding the stick like he's a skater. I'm like, easy. Kill uh, different scenarios kind of call. No, I guess probably if it's a bouncing puck. Yeah, you get down sticking glove pad behind it. Um, but if the puck's puck sitting flat like that, I mean, we don't need to get in semantics. Um, but there are some times where it's like just stay in the net, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so a, a little over aggressive, I think. Um, but again, we're just nitpicking here. But on Friday, can we talk about Friday's loss? BU, you know, they're coming out of last season. BU's coming out of the semifinal comeback against BC. We're feeling great about this team. We're like, give me Northeastern and like, don't let this team get hot. Fine. Like, that's what we said basically 10 times last year. Don't let this team get hot. <laughs> um, and then they kind of they get embarrassed by Merrimack at home five to one before the bean pot final. And uh, then they lost the bean pot. And so today, Friday kind of reopened that wound mm. um, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I've kind of had in the back of my mind when the team's been playing well, been on these winning streaks, these point streaks. Um, I'm just waiting for them to let me down. I'm just waiting, waiting to be disappointed. And I kind of got that on Friday, but Saturday is a little that security blanket, a good win, what you want to see moving forward. Because I have to say what you want about hockey East, but for me, my eyes right now are set on the national tournament. I think Saturday's win kind of saves you a little. Kind of saves you if you if you sweat, were swept to Merrimack, kiss it goodbye. Yeah. Um, Saturday saves you, and you just need to not have a disaster this weekend, and in the turn in the hockey's playoffs, and you're in the tournament, in my opinion. Yep. 
I, I think so too. I mean, you were bound to have an ugly loss. Every team does, you know, it feels like you hadn't had one for a while. You know, you escaped one against Maine with that overtime win, you know, you were bound to have one that just kind of got away from you. And that was this one. But the fact that they were able to come back in, you know, the next day, you know, play from in front, get that three points in regulation, you know, we, we saw it reflected in the hockey's power index, you know, it felt like the sky was falling with like a three point drop on Friday. And then they bounced right back to second place by decimal points um, after Saturday's games. So uh, yeah, big, uh, big weekend coming up. So for sure, Patrick, lots of, uh, lots of implications. Right. So BU gets um, Merrimack or not Merrimack, the um, BU gets UNH at home on Thursday and Lowell on the road on Saturday. I think we can kind of assume Thursday is senior day. Um, Probably. Since, you know, the regular season ends after Sunday, unless somehow they get a midweek game on Tuesday before the play-in round, which defeats the purpose no of way. the bye. No. Well, yeah, that, that defeats the purpose of the bye. It's possible, but it won't happen. Hmm. Um, and so you just, again, Lowell ranked coming into the year. We, we thought they were going to be your classic team that isn't very exciting, which they never are. Um, so, yeah, like they're not very exciting. They were ranked, and then they kind of stunk coming out of their COVID pause, and they've kind of kept sinking. Um, UNH has been what we expected, just a middling, lower-tier team. So you, these are teams you should beat teams you should handle and if you handle them you go into the hockey's playoffs and we're kind of jumping the gun here um but you you handle your, this weekend to take care of business do what you're supposed to and then you don't get disastrous there's no disaster in the first round of the hockey's playoffs because you're going to be playing an inferior opponent in the first round you should beat them so i think as long as you make it to the semifinals, barring a disaster this weekend i think you're okay for the national conversation yeah it's all about avoiding disasters and that's kind of what makes me nervous a little bit you know the the, the fresh wounds of this weekend and losing to merrimack in that first game you know they show you back the your head back of your head they're going well, to it is you. a little bit you know if they slip up against you and if they slip up against umass lowell you know, maybe that national bid comes back into question a little bit. Like, I don't want to say you have to be absolutely perfect, but you know, the opportunity is there for you to really end up slipping here at just the worst time, you know, and it's not playing against Northeastern, which would have been awesome. It's not, you know, Oh, well, at least they're a good team in Northeastern. You know, it's okay. If you split that, like there is no excuse to split against UNH and UMass Lowell. And so that's what kind of makes you nervous. Yeah. And to, to me, if you split, against UMass Lowell. If, you, if you're if you swept this weekend by UNH and UMass Lowell, you're done. Um, if you split, to me, you have to at least make the hockey's final, if not win it, Whew. to get into the tournament. Um, and saying they have to make it at the very least might be a little generous. So if, if you split this weekend, I think it, it's either, again, you have to make a deep run or get the automatic bid, maybe at all get the automatic bid. Um, but if again, you, you sweep this weekend, then you're kind of in you're in cruise control, you're in control of your own destiny. Right. Um, and we can look at it here from the BU perspective too. Um, my guy, Burnt Boats, we've referenced him a couple of times on this, but he's been deep into the uh, the, the math of all this. So he uses a different formula that's kind of based off of the oh, pairwise. So because now we're in Heppy. What? Now we're in Heppy, not, not the national tournament. Yes, this is coming back to Hockey East. Because um, BU, well, yeah, we look at that here. Uh, BU currently... 56.36 heppy points or whatever. Uh, that's about two behind BC at 58.32 in first, and then just 0.02 ahead of UMass at 56.34. BU is not going to go below that. I don't think there's any way they drop below UConn at 51.45 or Providence 51.43. So 
thinking BU's in the top three. So we don't have to worry about a play-in round or any of that. You know, they, they've secured that. But where are they going to move around probably within the top three? And, of course, as I say this, chances are they're going to have a terrible weekend and bounce down to, like, fourth or fifth. But I would think the top three is in play for the Terriers here. Um, and you look at some of these results that need to happen. So let's say, you know, BU sweeps. Um, you know, we'll, we'll say that that's the condition here. Uh, then they could also root for um, Northeastern and Maine to win against BC and UMass. So Maine against UMass, good luck with that one. Um, but if those happen, then BU gains some ground on BC and also extends their gap against UMass. And then also if Providence beats UConn and Vermont beats Merrimack, two possible results, I guess, uh, BU can gain a little bit too, but, but not a ton there. So you've got those going on. And again, BU would need to sweep for any of that to happen. But theoretically, BU could get up to first over BC. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I think BC probably, well, I don't know. Do I see Northeastern having a chance to beat BC? Of course. But do I see all these things going right for BU aside from that? Probably not. So I would say you're playing for second here with UMass, and uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. But that's kind of what you're rooting for, I guess, if you're BU. Yeah, You again, so you need a lot of things to go right if you want to be the top seed. But realistically, we're looking at two or three, which we knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's as simple as do what you need to do this weekend. Do what you should do this weekend. Take Correct. care. Take care of these lower tier teams. Yeah, and even more important maybe than uh, than these uh, these uh, like first or second or third. You know, more important than the seating is just that national conversation. Because you look at the rankings right now, BU took a little bit of a hit going down from tenth or from eighth to tenth. And so you know, we think about there are sixteen teams in the national tournament. Six of them are automatic bids from the conference winners. So you say a couple of those are probably also within the top 10 of the rankings. Right. Then you're down to like, you know, the, the top 10 plus, you know, 11, 12, 13, maybe, you know, so BU probably has to be in like the top 12 teams in the country to secure themselves a bid to the national tournament. The question is, are they there? Um, we can look at these USCHO rate, uh, rankings, which I think are probably pretty close to how it might end up because don't forget this year, they can't use the pairwise or any of that. Um, they can consider it and they can consider head to head stuff, but they've put together these like regional committees to sort out who's going to go or not. So there's even more eye test than there usually is uh, for this kind of thing. So I think the polls can be trusted maybe even more uh, than previous years to predict who's going to end up in the national tournament. Uh, like I said, BU at 10th right now um, with Quinnipiac, Omaha, Bowling Green rounding out the top 13. So I'd say don't go below that. Um, any thoughts on that, Patrick? Yeah. So, I, me thinking out loud yesterday, my how I'm looking at it is we're just going to say the top seed in every conference right now wins their conference and gets the automatic bid, all right? Just level with me for a second. Sure. So so say North Dakota, so you've got the top seeds, North Dakota, BC, Minnesota State. Um, Wisconsin? Minnesota. Minnesota um, and that's four teams oh. in yes. the top 10. Yeah. That That's, that's Hockey East. Big 10, NCHC, WCHA. And then you have the ECAC in, the, in, in Atlantic. So that's uh, Quinnipiac, which is 11, and AIC, which is 16. So that's two teams outside of the top 10. So then you're looking at six more teams from inside the top 10 getting at-large bids, and then four teams from outside of the top 10 getting at-large bids. That's how I'm looking at it. Say the top seeds in every conference gets the automatic bid, which, again, is unlikely that every top seed gets it. Um, but then if, if you're BU and that scenario works out perfectly, like I just said, I'd say you need to be no lower than 11. 
Right. And I would agree with that. You know, we, it would be nice to not have to worry about who is getting the automatic bids and all that and not to sweat yeah, it out and hope that you end up with one of those last couple spots. It'd be nice to just know that you're there if you're in the top 10. And right now that's where they are. Uh, and there's no real way to project it other than looking at these polls, looking at where they stand and in terms of Hockey East, because you think about like six conferences, 16 spots, ECAC is probably only going to give like one team this year, probably Quinnipiac. Maybe you see like, a, I don't know, a Clarkson or somebody. Clarkson's ranked 14th right now, so maybe, but they're also 11, 7, and 4 against a pretty weakened ECAC opposition this year. So I don't know if they're really squeaking in unless they do something pretty impressive here in the playoffs, um, like a four-team playoff. Um, but you know, you're going to have to make up those bids lost in the ECAC at some point. And so maybe hockey sends an extra team. I would also say too, looking at the way that hockey scheduled this week tells me that they probably think BU is all set for the national tournament. I would agree. And it's probably, they're probably not to say they're in lockstep with us because obviously we don't know them. They don't know us outside of Brian Smith. Oh, but they know us. Um, We're pals, Patty. You kidding me? Um, but unless, again, unless there's disaster this weekend and in the playoffs, I think BU should be fine. You mm-hmm. hope. Um, I think it shows that they think that if BU can tread water against UNH and UMass Lowell, then they'll get well, that automatic bid and they'll be okay. You know, they don't need to have a big win against a Northeastern or a Providence or whoever else to boost their case a little bit more and try to get more respect nationally. Like, they're okay with where they are, and then if they just – don't implode against these slightly less or inferior okay teams then they'll be okay for that automatic bit because at the end of the day you know hockey's goal is to get as many teams as possible into the national tournament help the brand duh like this is no surprise and so that's where we see you know bu is getting some inferior teams but then northeastern's playing bc maybe they get a win there and all of a sudden northeastern's into the national conversation where we know bc's already a lock or maybe you see UConn or Providence who are playing against each other. One of them gets a win. Maybe they're pushed into that national conversation. Like there are all these little ways that we could see hockey's teams trying to make a push here. And the fact that BU isn't really in line to make one kind of tells you that BU might be all set. Hopefully. Unless you lose right. this weekend. Because again, the way you worked the math last week was it, it looked like it was set up perfectly for BU Northeastern. Mm. Um, and then you our conversation off air earlier this week was you were worried that this hurts BU and I said I'm looking at it more as BU doesn't need Northeastern as much as Northeastern needs a BU BCU mm-hmm. mass you know yeah well Northeastern's getting the best they can get with BC right you beat BC you skyrocket both in the hockey's point in power point performance power power index power index um you know in that and maybe in the national conversation I still think it's a tough case for you know Providence, 10, 7, and 5. UConn, um, where'd they go? Actually, they're not even in the rankings. Um, Northeastern. Oh, they were ranked They were ranked for the one week, and then they were gone. Yeah, sorry. Northeastern, 9, 7, and 3. Like, it's going to take a lot for those teams to get one of those top 16, you know, top 10, whatever spots. Um, but maybe they're still in the conversation just enough for Hockey East to entertain it. And maybe that's why we see the schedule. It is a weird schedule, though. Like, they said, it's you know – they were uh, they were teasing it a little bit with Steve Metcalf tweeting earlier today like it should be an interesting one or whatever we're trying some new stuff and uh, and sure enough that's what happened you know BU is one of the only teams that's playing two games you know them Merrimack and UVM are really the only teams with multiple games um, everybody else is just getting one matchup most of them to try to sort out some seeding stuff like U- U- UConn against Providence Northeastern against BC 
Uh, and from there, you know, it, I mean, UMass and Maine is a new matchup, right? So they got one there. Same with both BU's matchups, obviously. So they still kind of kept with that of getting some new matchups in there while also working with, um, you know, what they needed to help with seeding and even that national conversation just a little bit. Interesting stuff. I agree. But yeah, I, I sorted it all out. BU has had the the fourth hardest um, their uh, fourth hardest strength of schedule this year um, per USCHO. And then you look at these teams that they're playing against with UMass Lowell having the seventh hardest, uh, no, 10th hardest, sorry. And, uh, and UNH having the eighth hardest. So like, they're trying to this? even it out. Huh? Where do you see this? Um, on their Cratch rankings. I also tweeted it. You ever heard of the Cratch? They have like, a, it's a whole ranking system. It's irrelevant for this year because it depends on interleague play, but it does show strength of schedule. And you can compare that because it's within hockey. Where do we see this? It's either on their website or I literally tweeted it earlier, Patrick. I'm, I'm looking for your tweet. Ah, there it is. And the fancy little graphic I made. See? Yes, yes. So um, you can see kind of what we're looking at. Yeah, because I was looking at it as BU has had a pretty on-balance strength of schedule this year. You know, they've played a good amount of top teams in the conference, a good amount of bottom teams in the conference. And so I I don't know what I'm talking about. Never mind. I'm going on a tangent that doesn't really matter because I, yep. misunderst- I misunderstood what you said about UMass Lowell. I thought this was 10th in the entire country. No, it's 10th in all of Hockey East. Um, so, yeah, they have, they're playing two teams that have had weak schedules and haven't done well. So they should crush them. I would agree. Um, hopefully. I mean, hopefully, this team's yes. hurt us before, Patrick. <laughs> but hopefully they'll be all right. It's exciting. It's, this it's, team's it's, hurt us too many times to be excited until there's tangible results like – selection day that's right um the uh, that'll be fun but hopefully we don't have to be sweating it out uh the last little talking point i had was uh some of these women's games of this uh the first playoff round oh, they, were, they were great games yeah um pretty good upset from yukon over uh bc um bc goaltending did its best bc goaltending impression when it mattered most nice um, i mean i said that but yes. yeah you, you said that and i'm just reiterating it abigail levy turned into a pumpkin at the 11th hour um and it did not go well for bc and now bc women have to sweat it out they're currently eighth in the standings so obviously eight teams make the women's tournament or eighth in the polls i should say so as long as bc hangs around at eight They'll probably be in. Um, well, they're in the position BU was last year, though. Remember, we were saying, like, I think BU was 10th, and it's like, well, they're right kind of there. BU was eight, I believe, going into the playoffs. Mm. And then they got swept, and they dropped to, like, nine or 10, and you were like, that's it's over. I guess that's true. But, you know, where you're at that point where you're kind of on the bubble, and then you lose to a team like this, and that's kind of just that sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, And, and I then think you, you lose all national recognition because of that. I think BC was sixth or seventh going into this weekend and they obviously got upset big time. And so now you're dropping to eighth. So you need either Providence to lose and not move up um, or who another team cracked the top 10 this week. You need them to not make any noise, hmm. but yeah, BC is not in, not in control of anything, obviously, because they're done playing for right now. Yeah. But there was a mess. Sweating it out. I mean, as much as I want to like celebrate it too, like, Oh, look at this great upset that we had with UConn beating BC. Like, you know, get some of these, these lesser known teams, some action. You know, we saw what happened last year. Like this week saw Maine and UConn 
uh, into that final four. And, and, they, and they all just got eviscerated by the other teams. And that seems like what's going to happen again. I mean, Northeastern just completely killed UNH. And you figure that's probably going to happen again in their semifinal matchup coming up this week against Maine. And then probably again against either UConn or, um, or Providence. Maybe Providence gives them a test, you know, because they have that good defending Ooh. goalkeeping. So who has who this week? Um, Providence is hosting UConn, and then Maine is visiting Northeastern. No, that's okay. not right. Nope, sorry. Maine visiting Providence, and then UConn at Northeastern. It's a battle of the Huskies on Huntington Avenue, Patrick. So the only team there that could – the only two teams of the three outside of Northeastern that could give Northeastern a chance would be North, UConn or Providence. Um, UConn obviously hasn't had the results this year, but as we said go on our season preview, they're a deep team. They have some top talent, and it showed against BC. But the odds of that happening against Northeastern is no. So I think we're looking at uh, – and Maine just doesn't have the offensive firepower to beat in Providence at all. Um, so we're likely but looking Lauren at Lauren Porter. Lauren Porter, I'm telling you. I talked to Maine her has, at the start Maine of the has season. has no offense outside of Ida Cupola. I mean, that was all they needed against Vermont. It was, it was the Cupola and Porter show. That was it. But that's not going to work against Northeastern. No, no. Providence. God, I keep forgetting that. That'll be fun, though. It's nice to have that in the middle of the week, you know, because you kind of mix it in a little bit where we had the, the games on the weekend, and now we get something in the middle of the week, and then we'll have high-stakes games for the men and obviously the women's championship this weekend. It's fun. It's good stuff. A lot going on. A lot going on. That's all I got for today, though. That's all I got. Well, as always, I'm on Twitter at PatOn12. Brady's on Twitter at Brady D. Gardner. WTBU Sports is at WTBU Sports. The site, sites.bu.edu slash WTBU slash sports. But again, if you don't want to remember all that, just Google WTBU Radio or Bing. I don't know what you use. Yahoo Search. I don't know what you use. I can't assume that. Um, so just search WTBU Radio and find the sports tab. I promise you it's all there, whether my content carolyn's content owen's content it's all there hopefully we have plenty more men's women men's content women's not really there she's is over um but again thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time